Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering system of the temple, and it also reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hey, I want to welcome you to Maintain the Flame. This is Keith Collins, and I am blessed, as I am every week, to be able to to be with you, to share what's on my heart, to share the gospel. I really consider this just a sacred honor. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. I'm really excited about today. I have one of my dearest friends in the world that has agreed to join me. And I'm going to be talking to him. I'm going to ask him to share his heart about some things. And I know, I know that I know that you're about to be blessed. You're about to be challenged. And that when you're done listening to Maintain the Flame today, you will not be the same person. You will be touched and encouraged and even maybe pushed a little further to go harder after Jesus than you ever have before. I've got Eric Miller with me. Eric Miller and his wife, Casey, have been dear friends of of mine and my wife, Darla, for many years, for over 20 years. We we were connected through the Brownsville Revival, the great outpouring that the Lord did down in Pensacola, Florida from 1995 to 2000. We're literally Millions of people, I think over 3 million people from around the world showed up and night after night, people getting radically saved. So, so Eric and I met in that incredible environment and we were both blessed to be part of the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry and then also through Fire School of Ministry. So, so we've been connected at heart for many years and I've been blessed to to be with him and his family. And um, just want to say before I turn this over to him, you know, Eric and Casey have spent many years on the mission field. So by saying that, I don't mean that they've do or done what I do. I go to many nations and I'm usually there for a week or maybe a little more sometimes. And I come back to America where these guys have raised their beautiful family, their children on the mission field. And they're really my heroes. My greatest heroes in the world are not, your Michael Jordans and your, um, you know, your football players, your Tom Brady's, my greatest heroes in the world are missionaries. And Eric and Casey are definitely in that category as well as their children. So Eric, thank you so much for being with me today, brother. Oh, it's such an honor to be with you, Keith. Thank you so much for the introduction. We love you, Darla, and your entire family so much. Thank you, buddy. Listen, I want to do a few things today, Eric. I want you to talk to us about your testimony, not just um, your first experience with the Lord, but even when the Lord really got a hold of your heart. But before we do that, and we're going to talk about some other things, could you just give us um, a history 
um, of how the Lord called you and Casey to a missionary lifestyle? Yeah, sure. You know, I grew up in a home that we did not go to church until I was about 14. So I really knew very little next to nothing about God, the Bible, Jesus. And so a Presbyterian pastor uh, knocked on the door of our family's house when I was 14 years old and invited us every week for up to a year. We started going at the end of the year. And, you know, I received Jesus, but I really didn't understand what it all meant. I prayed a prayer. I was going to church. We were part of the youth group and all that, but the power of sin really wasn't broken in my life. Mm. And it wasn't until I had a radical encounter with God several years later to where not only did I get saved, but as Steve Hill says, I got so saved. <laughs> Amen. I know exactly what you mean. And so, you know, we ended up moving to Pensacola, Florida after that and uh, going to the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry where I heard about what it meant to be a missionary. And I just knew by listening to all these great men and women of God that the Lord was calling my wife and I to move to the mission field. That's awesome. And, you know, again, when I tell you that Eric and Casey are missionaries, they're not um, – you know, stick your foot in the water and see if you like the temperature of the water. They they took the plunge, moved to a third world country, the Philippines, with their entire family, with three other couples, and they actually lived together for a season. I mean, their story is is amazing. So again, brother, just really honor your history in in the Lord. So Eric, um, you know, to be willing to literally lay down the creature comforts of America, this life that we know as Americans. We were both raised in this amazing nation, and we know what it's like to be comfortable, um, you know, to be willing to to walk away from that and to venture into the unknown to where really you're walking by faith and not by sight. I don't think that just happens because you have a good, noble, religious idea. Can you right. tell us um, some, to, some today of the history of how God really got a hold of your heart? I, I know that... You know, before you came to Brownsville, you just said this, that, you know, you had some knowledge of the Lord. You were in church and stuff like that. I know your testimony, but could you share in depth really today how God really got a hold of you and how he dealt with areas of your life that when you finally gave to him, he brought this whole missionary heart alive in you? Yeah, it was really amazing. As I said, you know, we started going to church when I was a young man, but it wasn't until several years later, while I was attending youth conferences and going to church and stuff, I had, around the same time we started going to church, an addiction to pornography developed. Hmm. And I was exposed to it, you know, and, and, and I don't know, I, I, it felt like a drug, you know, because right. I would... I would be captivated by it and and it would rule it would master my life i I became just a puppet of lust, you know, to where I was so controlled by it I couldn't have pure thoughts, my dreams were affected, decisions a, a bad self image of who I was I always dealt with shame, guilt, 
fear, condemnation that anybody would ever find out. And, you know, when you're in an environment like church, you know, where we're supposed to be free and we're not, it can really be difficult and challenging because we're supposed to be holy unto the Lord. And I didn't really understand what that meant, not because I don't think anybody didn't explain it well enough. I wasn't willing to surrender. And, uh, you know, I love my sin. I, I had multiple relationships and just looking for love in all the wrong place. My parents divorced when I was younger as well. Uh, you know, and, and there were just a lot of issues, but I, I was never addicted to drugs. I, I tried some things. I never got drunk in my life. I, I really totally stayed away from that stuff for the most part. But in relationships and, 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 and the pornography stuff, it, it really was a drug. And so I, I figured, you know, everybody else struggles with this as well. And, you know, I tried to play it up in my mind that I'm not as bad as someone else. Right. And, and that's what I think a lot of us do is we yep. compare ourselves to each other more than comparing ourselves to the Lord. So and true. he's really our standard and whose image we were created in. Amen. And so I actually became a youth pastor during this season of my life when I was about 20, 21 years old. And I served for about three, three and a half years. I grew up in the state of New York, but moved to Delaware uh, in the southern part of the state to where I served in a church there that was a growing church. You know, the church in the uh, three and a half years I was there, I think it grew from like 100 to 500. Wow. Um, you know, our youth group, when I started, I was single. We had about 15 students, I'd say, and we grew it into about, I would say, close to 75, 80 teenagers on a weekly basis. And we did special events every month where thousands of people would come out and we look successful, uh, (laughs) successful, but yet my heart, I was dealing with depression, wanting to kill myself because I could not get rid of the shame and guilt. Wow. And so I would, you know, I would drive sometimes hours just to go to a store somewhere to buy pornography so that nobody would know me Goodness. and recognize me. And it, and it really ruled my life. So I, I live like that. And I figured I thought the ministry would scare the sin out of me. <laughs> it only made it worse. I mm. uh, only made it to a point where all the internal issues I was dealing with, I began to even hate the ministry because I felt like nobody cared or understood it wasn't anybody else's fault. It was me. I, I was the issue. I wasn't willing to humble myself. And, and so I started to get a little bit more desperate towards that, the end of that three and a half years. Started reading Neil Anderson's books on mm-hmm. the bondage breaker, victory over the darkness. I started having accountability partners. And I kind of lived the sin, confess sin lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It was a roller coaster relationship with God. And I thought, well, yeah, yeah, continuing to compare and hear what other people deal with. I'm not that bad. I'm, I was never a drug addict. I was never an alcoholic, you know, but I had anger issues and lust and all this. 
And so anyhow, at the end of that three and a half years, I, I met my wife, Casey, we got married, and I thought marriage would change the issues of lust in my life, but it really didn't. Mm. And I started to really be concerned because I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I tried church. It wasn't working. I tried, you know, all these other things. I even went to a Christian counselor in Baltimore, which is a two, two and a half hour drive away from us. And I would go every Wednesday to go meet with the Mimrath and Meyer New Life Clinic counselor and talk about my pornography problem. And I think they all had good intentions, but none of that changed me mm. until the day that I called up the pastor because my wife found out about my pornography issue. I was so full of shame and guilt. Mm. And I said to the pastor, I said, hey, listen, I, I just need to talk to you. Talked to him. He brought in some of the elders. Everybody was so surprised. You know, they were really hurt by it. And so it even just made it feel heavier in my life. I said, would you be willing to repent in front of the church? Stuff like that. I was a leader. I don't feel like they forced me, um, but I willingly did it. I came to the end of myself. Yeah. I came to a point where I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to live anymore. Mm. And uh, I stood up in front of the church of around 500 people and repented on a Sunday morning. And I walked down the middle of the aisle I mean, people were crying. People were shocked. The young people who trusted me and the people who paid my salary and all those things. You know, I, I walked down the middle of that aisle to meet my wife, Casey, at the back door. Thank God she was willing to stick around. Yeah. And I felt like suddenly chains mm. with hooks in my flesh mm. were ripped out of me. And, and I can't tell you, Keith, to this day, it was like night and day. It was like just a washing of the presence of the Lord. And I met my wife at the back door and I said, Casey, I, I looked at her thinking she's not even going to believe me right now. How do I even, she, how can she trust me? I said, Casey, I don't know what just happened, but I know I'm totally free. Wow. Praise God. And Keith, I'm going to tell you something. I've not been a slave to that sin since August of 1997. That's amazing. You know, Eric, I've you know been in ministry for so long now, well over three decades, well over three and a half decades, and you you know this, I'm sure, but you know I've done so much counseling. I was the dean of men, like dean of students at the Brownsville Bible School of Ministry. I would do six to eight appointments a day, oftentimes four or five days a week. And I guarantee you, Eric, 60 to 70% of those appointments was with men that are struggling with, with pornography issues. And you yeah. made a statement a few minutes ago that I think everyone hearing this needs to hear. You got to come to the end of yourself. As long as you're still idolizing that sin of pornography in your heart, you're going to keep going back to it. But, you know, I, I think you made such a great point that, that you know, you the shame became so intense and I, I'll be honest with you. I know it's hard, but thank God those elders and those leaders had you confess because I think 
that was the road to freedom. It's kind of like, you know, cockroaches do a lot of work in the dark. When you turn the lights on, they scare, they, 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 they scurry, they scurry or they scatter. Yeah, exactly. So I think um, the light was turned on. So, oh, yeah. man, thank you so much, brother, for, for sharing that. And and I do believe in, in just a little bit, Eric's going to close us in prayer. But I, I think there's people listening today, Eric, that they need freedom in this area. And some of you are pastoring a church. Some of you are married. Some of you are in leadership roles. And this is a hidden sin in your life. I'm telling you, you got to get right with God. You got to get clean. And you got to go through the shame part of it if you have to. God's got to be there with you. But believe me, it's worth it to, yes. to get freedom. Now, Eric's been free for many years. Um, since that time, what has the Lord done through your life, Eric? Well, you know, incredibly enough, Keith, um, when I got right with God, we went through a year of restoration with the church of God. Mm. I, and, and let me say something, you know, a lot of times we blame other people for our own issues. Sure. And, you know, there's always something that we can find wrong in any situation that we're in. But I was so grateful for the men of God, for the churches that willingly, you know, didn't cut us off, but loved us. And through that year of restoration, I didn't have any leadership responsibilities. In fact, the church I youth pastored at after I was done asked me to come back and be the youth pastor again. Wow. Wow. And it was an honor that they would even consider that. However, we felt like the Lord was leading us in another direction. And we heard about the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida, uh, a move of God that started in Father's Day of 95, lasted for about five years. About three, three and a half million people came to the doors of that church. And we did not come to the tail end. About April of 98, my wife Casey was seven months pregnant. And it was during that year of restoration. And I went down there, and let me tell you, Keith, there was nothing like it that I'd ever felt in my life. The presence of the Lord was so strong, and God gripped my wife and I. And we found out, you know, through the ministry of Steve Hill, who was a faithful man of God who preached every night of that revival through the worship of Lyndall Cooley, the leadership of John Kilpatrick and, and Dr. Michael Brown leading the school of ministry. You know, it was being around people like this and you guys as well that I started to realize that even though I had this incredible breakthrough, I still had a lot of other issues like selfishness and pride and, you know, uh, how to talk to my wife better and not be a, have man of God syndrome, you know, right, but, right. To, uh, but to change and to realize, you know, when you come from a church in a small town and you think you know what you're doing, you maybe experience some cool things, you know, but then you come down to a revival where people wait in line, you know, 12 hours out of the day and sleep on the sidewalk the night before just so that they yes. can get into the sanctuary you start to realize you're not as hungry as you think you are. Come on, that's good. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I was challenged by these men and women of God, not only the leaders, but the people who were there. And I thought, my gosh, it became the place where our roots went down. And, yeah. and, and, and we began to take in the nutrients from the presence of God, from the word of God. Yes. And it changed us forever. And uh, I graduated from the school in December of 2000. And it was about three years later 
that the Lord led us to the mission field to be to go to the Philippines. Wow. Now, how many years have you guys actually been in the Philippines now, Eric? So we were missionaries for about 18 years. Wow. And we came to the States in March 2020 and have been waiting to be able to go back. <laughs> because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've actually, again, um, I've been with you many times in the Philippines and I've always been blessed to see how you know, the Lord's used you and your family over there. I mean, it's just incredible. The the disciples that you guys have raised up and the fact that even though, you know, you guys have been in the States now for what two plus years because of COVID, the ministry goes on. I mean, there's still right. lives being touched and the disciples that you guys have raised up have really made an impact. Let me, let me ask you this, Eric, um, you know, you have named your ministry revival cry. That's kind of a recent name maybe months ago, but could you tell us why um, you call your ministry Revival Cry? I love that name, but could you share the heart behind it? Yeah, sure. So there's a, a church here in Central Florida that uh, basically gave us the keys to a home and said, come and go as you need to. They really have been such a blessing. And and so I was attending one of the services at the end of 2020, and like the next couple of days would be, I think, 2021, somewhere around that. And they were singing this song, War Cry, mm. on Christmas. And I'd never heard this song, but it was about a war cry being released through the cry of Jesus, mm. you know, when he was a baby being yep. born. It was such a powerful song. And as I was looking at the words on the screen, I just saw the word, the the word uh, war be removed and God replace it with the word revival. Wow! And He said awesome. revival cry, and and you know we had always wanted to have a name for our ministry, but never felt comfortable naming ourselves something without right. it being initiated of the Spirit. And so it was revival cry international. And immediately the Lord spoke to me and said, many have wandered in the wilderness this past year, and I want them to become a voice in the wilderness. Wow. And, you know, with COVID and all the restrictions, travel shut down, I, I think more than anything, it's tried to shut down missions and evangelism and churches around the world. I really feel like God wants to raise up prophetic voices, men and women of God that ha carry the burden of the Lord mm. to see a genuine move of God. And so I, I feel like the Lord gave us that name because, you know, I've always loved the David Wilkerson's, the Keith yes. Green's, yes. Leonard Ravenhill, Steve Hill, Michael Brown, other ones like Dr. Evelyn Thompson, other great men and women of God who've made a huge impact on our lives. And I've always looked to them and called them wilderness preachers. Mm, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> they carry that it. John the Baptist uh, unction. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. I mean, I love your heart. And I, you know, again, I think so much of what you say resonates with me and we really carry a lot of the same passion and stuff like that. So again, thanks so much for sharing. Um, let me ask you this, Eric, is there anything that you feel like the Lord is speaking to you or showing you right now? I know that, you know, obviously we've been in this very unusual season of history with this pandemic, this virus that, 
continues to have multiple chapters and multiple layers to yeah. it, it seems like. Um, you know, again, I know that you guys spent 18 years on the mission field and, you know, you got kind of sent to America or you actually came to America but couldn't go back and there's still restrictions and lockdowns. We're even seeing some more of those here in America now. But I've been thinking, you know, what is the church's role in the midst of all this, you know, and how are we supposed to function and, and operate during this season? So is there anything before we bring this to a close in a few minutes that, that the Lord is showing you or speaking to you that, that you could just kind of release to the people right now? Yeah. You know, the, the end of last year, uh, 2021, I was praying and I felt like the Lord said that 2022 would be a year of reintroductions. Mm. And I thought about, well, what does that really mean? You know, and I, and I kept referring to, you know, when, when Jesus went into the wilderness you know, uh, Israel went into the wilderness. You had Paul go into the wilderness. And then they had already had these encounters with God, but then they were kind of reintroduced. It says that yep. Jesus went into the spirit with the full, went into the wilderness with the fullness of the presence, but came out in the fullness of the spirit. Wow. And there's something about that wilderness period that when people put their roots down in the presence of the Lord and they go after God, you know, so many people in the last couple of years have quoted Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret mm-hmm. place of Most High, you know, and, and it's great to quote those things, but it's another thing to do it. And if we are not allowing the situation around us to dictate who we are in Christ, but we say, I'm going to get along with God and I'm going to do whatever I can to meet with him and get filled with the Holy Ghost so that the fire of God would continue to burn in my life. Wow. Uh, I'm going to do it. And I, I'll tell you, we've gone after God these past two years. Awesome. We've, we, we've been praying, our family interceding. We've traveled up and down the East Coast four times. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to make missionaries sit still. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just telling you, man, I, I feel a burning. I, there's a sense in my heart that God is preparing the way and, and burdening his people yeah. to expect a move of his spirit that Amen. goes far above and beyond anything that we've seen so far. Wow, that's so powerful. Hey, listen, I'm going to ask you to close in prayer in just a minute. Before I do that, let me just take just a minute here and do this. Um, if you're listening, if you're a leader, if you're a pastor, and if you do not want revival, then you should not invite Eric Miller to your church. <laughs> <laughs> However... If your heart is burning for a genuine move of God, if you're hungry to see people set free, if your heart burns to see hearts awaken to the reality of who Jesus is. And, you know, Eric carries some things that are very powerful. I know for a fact, I mean, hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds have been baptized in the Holy Spirit during Eric's ministry time. He's a powerful preacher of the gospel. He's a revivalist. He's an evangelist. He's got an apostolic missions heart. He's genuine. Let me strongly encourage you to have Eric come to speak for you, um, come to pour into you, to your church, to your leaders. I know that I know that I know that you will be all the better for it and that your life will definitely be impacted in a supernatural way. Eric, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you, to communicate with you about even a possible um, time for you to come and minister? 
Sure. They can go to our website, which is www.revivalcry.org, revivalcry.org, and they can email us at info at revivalcry.org. Okay, perfect. So listen, um, again, and I know we have a lot of leaders that, that listen to this. We hear from you, a lot of pastors. Um, there's nowhere that I go that I wouldn't send Eric in my place. I mean, he's, he's that solid of a man of God. So let me encourage you to reach out to him and um, to invite him. I know that you'll be incredibly, incredibly blessed. Also, I want you to know that Eric also has a podcast. Um, he's on the Charisma Podcast Network like I am. However, you can get it through Apple, through Spotify. I mean, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can listen to Eric. And Eric, just give him the name of your podcast and, and, and when they can listen to that as well or how they can listen to that. Yeah, sure. If they go to... Uh, as you said, Charisma Podcast Network. If you just Google Charisma Podcast Network Revival Cry, that's the name of our podcast. You should be able to find us no problem. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Again, if you go to Perfect. our webpage, uh, revivalcry.org, there is a link to the podcast uh, that people, and also ways to contact us if they need to look there. Perfect. Great. Hey, listen, Eric, it's been an honor having you with me today, my friend, my brother, and I definitely look forward to having you back again in the near future. Um, before we finish, would you just pray for our listeners today? Again, I know you hit some, some heavy-duty areas when you were talking about how the Lord sets you free from porn, and, um, and just really just pray into that, but also whatever the Lord puts on your heart as you close in prayer, if you could do that, that'd be great. Amen. Well, Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus. I had a man of God a year and a half ago who I never met before said, I see you as being very faithful in the Philippines and pulling hooks out of people, out of their flesh. Amen. Lord, I just believe that he, this man never heard me share my testimony before, but it's what you've done. Yes. And I believe you're pulling hooks out of people's flesh right now, God. Yes. You're setting captives free. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over every heart and mind. And I thank you, God, for personal revival and awakening yes. in their lives. Yes. Lord, that you would do something that only you could do to draw us closer to your heart. I thank you so much for your great love and passion for us. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today on Maintain the Flame, and we look forward to being back with you again next week. Thanks again, Eric, for being our guest today. Oh, it's such an honor. Thank you, Keith, for having me. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.